Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try to talk about movies but we end up talking about anything and everything else. I'm your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Chen Coyle. And to his left is... Don McLennan. How's everyone? Fine. Good. What are you drinking, Michael? I have changed it up slightly from last week uh, because I didn't go down to Tesco and buy mango. <laughs> <laughs> so I have vodka and orange juice. I like your drinking out of your moonshine jar as well. I love my jars. <laughs> <laughs> Makes look more like a hobo than usual. <laughs> I have a bigger beard as well. <laughs> what are you drinking? Yet again. Every week I kind of have this uh, intention of maybe drinking salt different but again it's vodka and Pepsi Max yeah. even Sydney Dawn before we came up here I was like I don't even like Pepsi Max anymore <laughs> <laughs> just keep buying it it's a pound of bottle so what the fuck it Dawn Morgan Spiced and Coke see yeah. Dawn changes up every week it does he makes it because I was saying it's not his ashtray wine anymore <laughs> <laughs> he goes around the bar at the end of the night and just pours in all the wine from the ashtray mine sweeping just <laughs> <laughs> I know I had plans to like change it up this week. Maybe I say I plans on night sweeping, <laughs> <laughs> going down raiding the bars on night. Fuck buying drink. Uh, as soon as you put that drink, that is mine. It's gone. That's right. Also, before we talk about uh, what we've been watching this week, I noticed uh, a mistake in last week's episode. Oh, when I was talking about death notes, I incorrectly said that. Uh, yeah. L picks up the death note. Oh it my is, god! It's light that picks up. I was up gonna correct you, but I didn't want to say anything. Just yeah. you should have said. It. No, I feel like a deck now. Exactly. It's on record. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever get one listener, they're gonna pick up that stuff straight away. I don't know. See if we see if we get one listener that's also seen Death Note, they'll be raging. <laughs> no, I actually actually went and watched Death Note just because of your recommendation. <laughs> it's know. not L. I still have no idea what Death Note is. But well, it's L and light. It's it's hard to yeah. mix them up. It was. Uh, yeah, I was thinking too that I was actually kind of worried about that myself. Then I'm not sure. I re-listened to the first episode during the week but I was actually kind of panicking in case like obviously last week and the week before we done the dry run I was kind of drunk and stuff like that and I think we were all kind of getting drunk as it went on and then I started to think to myself because I don't really remember what I'm saying towards the end of each podcast maybe I'm just like saying really like stuff that's not facts whatsoever <laughs> I, I could just like think that I know about film but I'd have a talk about film and just really fucked up and I just believe that I do but in yeah. reality I don't whatsoever I will it, it is kind of the case, but <laughs> you, you, kind of, you can pull it off. Huh? Yeah, exactly. I'm charismatic, in a way. Seen two films. Yeah, so what have we watched this week? I uh, watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid mm-hmm. on Blu-ray. Oh, Blu-ray. HD, baby. It made no difference whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> the colors are brighter. <laughs> I, I bought the Back to the Future on Blu-ray, and... Uh, Michael J. Fox has rosy cheeks the whole way through that film. <laughs> <laughs> he has rosy cheeks through the whole film. I was like, I don't want to see that. That's all he done. I was just going back to the DVD. Yeah. You know? well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, fine. Yeah, it's too much for me. Yeah. It's too real life. Yeah. <laughs> you 
could just picture some poor bastard having the mic the HD rendition. <laughs> the HD rendering of Back to the Future. Just basically just some guy drawing rosy fucking red cheeks on Michael J. Fox's <laughs> empty frame. Um, I was bitch. Is Grant Paul Newman brilliant as usual? Robert Redford. Robert Redford really reminds me of Rob Pitt in that film. Yeah. It looks like him. I don't know. Yeah. Acts like him, yeah. They always said, actually, I found one interesting that uh, David Fincher done an interview a couple of years back, and obviously he's worked with Brad Pitt quite a bit. And uh, he brought up the fact that he thought that Brad Pitt's career was evolving like Paul Newman's, and that he was doing just a wide variety of films and taking on so many different roles. <coughs> and it actually seemed like he was getting stronger and more selective as he got older, which mm-hmm. is kind of what Newman did too. And I thought it was kind of a good comparison because it's true, if, if you look early 90s and stuff, Brad Pitt. He actually came out a few years back and apologised for the, not apologies like it was a fucking personal offence to anybody, but he apologised about like the roles he had done when he was in his early 20s. It was basically just kind of relying on his looks and playing up the fact uh, that he was a, a pretty boy and stuff. Yeah. And he says that all his performances lacked depth. And when he got older then, he kind of found out what acting was about and how powerful it could be. And obviously he started taking on these challenging roles like, you know, let's say Fight Club and Benjamin Button. Yeah. And you know, st- stuff like that. Stuff that actually he could, he could sink his teeth on. And I, I found that quite interesting because it's usually in a way the other way about you know when you're younger and you're kind of more ambitious and hungry for acting you know you, you do the art forms you, you, you know do, do it for, for the art and not the money I think that's the, the kind of common criticism that De Niro really just after he won his Oscar for Raging Bull and he just kind of phoned it in you know what I mean yeah. DiCaprio so, sort of followed the same as Brad Pitt all the pretty boy shit and then he just yeah, started yeah that's actually a really good point that is yeah, yeah. True. but I mean I think it's nice to see that an actor as he gets older is actually getting you know even hungrier for, for, his, for his trade like really yeah. Brad Pitt's just been really having a fucking stream of really good performances there for the past couple of years. Whereas Johnny Depp has went the other way. Uh, I mean, John, well, Johnny Depp has done bomb after bomb. I mean, I love Johnny Depp, but yeah. it's, and it's kind of heartbreaking to see because he's done bomb after bomb. I, I think he's going to re- redeem himself with that Black Mask film. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Really, really good. But see, it's it's like the first time and he's just played a fucking straight character in, in so long because, I mean, at the start, well, like Captain Jack and, you know, the, the appearances in Tom Burton films, yeah, it's good and it's quirky and, 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 and you kind of you can get under it but then when every single one of his roles is just like look at how quirky I am you Mordecai know what I mean? as well yeah, yeah oh my god oh, I, oh re- I really want to see Mordecai <laughs> just I just to like watch the car crash that was, that was that was the death knell that's when I think even Johnny Depp was right I'm going to have to fucking rain it back here with this fucking crazy <laughs> that this wacky shit I really want to see it though oh it looks it looks so have you seen oh, it oh I watched it I watched it I got about half an hour under it and it's so fun and you would even think that Johnny Depp seems like a smart man <laughs> certainly even Johnny Depp halfway through that film was thinking like, <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a bloody man, sir. <laughs> it's a comedy goal, man. Uh, what did I watch this week? Since we went to yet again, off topic as we usually do. I watched Kingsman. Yeah, yeah. after after your recommendation, I finally got ready. I've been looking forward to seeing it for for a good while. I was kind of in the mood for a about a an action flick the other night, so I watched awesome. it on. Really, really good. So yeah, that's really, really, very good. Uh, I, I, can't, I love Matthew Vaughn's style though. He's just he's got that uh, sort of genre nailed down. I love the fact that it seems to be a, a kind of recurring thing in, in Matthew Vaughn films. Obviously, Kingsman it's like a deconstruction of like you know James Bond kind of the, yeah. the earlier James Bonds like the Kemp ones from like the you know, the sixties and the early seventies and stuff. And it's you know it's playing on the tropes and like obviously all the characters all the characters are aware of like you know the tropes and how these films play out and it's it's really meta and stuff like that. But then I like the fact some critics don't like the fact then that. It went from being a deconstruction to basically then just like a reconstruction towards the end because the end of the film, not, I'm uh, not going to try and spoil anything, but the end of the film plays out exactly like how your classic sort of James Bond would. And yeah. a lot of people thought, oh, well, you know, that kind of ruined the hard work. But I like that, you know what I mean? 
No, it's just kind of embracing. Yeah, it's, it's embracing. Yeah. It's kind of deconstructing and it's just kind of showing you. Like. Also, again, another thing I wanted to say, it was, I thought, and it's they definitely done this on purpose. It was definitely, <laughs> for me, anyway, definitely on purpose. Mark Strong being cast. Now, as soon as I see Mark Strong is so notorious for being a fucking villain and stuff like that, even done an advert <laughs> saying, I'm always a villain, you know what I mean? So, Mark Strong being that film, first five months, like, what the fuck? Mark Strong is a good guy. How long is it going to be before he turns on the account? <laughs> when's he going to reveal himself to be a mole or something like that in the operation and reveal himself to be a cunt? And in fairness, again, this might be a slight spoiler, but it was kind of coming towards five months toward the end of the film. Mark Strong was still a good guy. I was all, come on, Mark. You know what I mean? What's it going to happen? <laughs> like, what are you going to turn on that one? There's, there's Kingsman 2 for that now. Uh, exactly. <laughs> he, just, he loses the Scottish accent. And all like, You're not even Scottish. <laughs> but yeah. What did you watch? I watched... Funny that you took a recommendation from me because I took your last week's recommendation yeah, and right. watched Lock. Yeah. You didn't watch it again, did you? <laughs> I watched it twice. <laughs> no, I watched it just after... Just after we recorded, well, not straight after. We watched Dread straight after. <laughs> we were supposed to watch oh, Guardians of the Galaxy, but yeah. then Dread was on, so we watched Dread instead. Just like, yeah, Dread's so good. So the room. It's actually kind of travesty that it's so bad. So poorly at the box office. I know, I know. Because that's the reason. Like, it's probably definitely, in, in terms of tone and even just setting and how they realized the character of Dread after the fucking car crash that was the Stallone version, we'll just ignore that one. Uh, Don thought I, it, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this. Don't, don't yeah, but I mean, as, 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 as it was better as, than Dread. Yeah. As it more like so bad, it's good sort of. I just like the fact that they explored the cursed world, the cursed earth part. Yeah. You know I mean, well, showed... apparently, according to Alex Garden, who wrote Dread, uh, they had plans for the sequel, and they were going to go into more that, that kind of stuff. Uh, and I, the whole kind of dead earth bit. Yeah. <laughs> what is it called? Cursed earth. Cursed earth. I dead world. Cursed dead world. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. It gets an answer across. I, I kind of like to uh, I, I like that element of Dread and the fact that it was so contained. The fact that it is just him and his, his new partner, the rookie, kind of making their way through a big fucking huge tenement block. Mm. Unfortunately, the raid kind of stole the center. Uh, uh, <laughs> that. But they, they, they were both filming at the same time. They didn't, so I don't think they, they realised that. Uh, was, there was no copycat thing going on there. It was just a complete they, coincidence. They came out around the same time. Then, it they? always happens. It always it happens. Always happens. It, what, what is it? Deep Impact and Armageddon. Armageddon, and then you had uh, the the White House films. Oh, right, Olympus has fallen, and, and what is it? White, White House, House down or something? Aye, it's all like it. With Channing Tatum. Well, Channing the exact same villain. I with the uh, Channing Tatum's one was better. Oh no, I don't know that. <laughs> no, like Ger- sorry, as the, as the Americans like to call him Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. <laughs> Jared, like just the same around Gerard Butler. Uh, no, the Jared Butler one was better. Well, I didn't see that one. I didn't like Jared Butler. Oh, you didn't see that one? Well, in fairness, I didn't see the Channing Tatum one. So I think I'm just kind of back in the one that I watched. Maybe the Channing Tatum. We'll never know. Well, White House Down is just... Maybe like, we should watch both of them after this. It's just... Die- I'm not going to assess one. It's in the White House Down. Pretty yeah, that's, that's pretty much what Jared Butler's one of too. Yeah. Oh man, I'm glad to watch both of them. They're doing, a, they're doing a sequel to Olympus's Fallen. Really? London is Fallen. Oh, it's set in London. Let it go. <laughs> but, uh... Oh yeah, back to luck. <laughs> Are you still haven't told us what you watched this week? I, I watched luck. You don't watch it again? No, I watched that this week. You don't watch a lot. No, we talked about that last week. No, we didn't. Did we not? No, we t- we talked about it on Monday when I seen you. Oh, that's <laughs> what it was. Jeez, man, my days are mold Monday. Char, forgot everything. How unprofessional. <laughs> How unprofessional. Continue. What do you think of luck? Luck was sweet. It was. I was. I was actually nearly going to get on the about. 
saying about the fire bit last week, but it comes up in like ten minutes and goes oh, away. Yeah, so yeah. it's not. A it's, it, yeah, it's it's, it's always it, right with an I know because just when it starts, it's there's the kind of mystery of why why where is he going kind of thing, and I thought they would have played that out more. So I was going to get on to for telling me what it was. But... Yeah, he had it like first conversation. But his his accent though. Doesn't it, it doesn't land gravitas like I said last week? <laughs> it it does, does, but, but it also sounds pretty fucking weird. It doesn't sound like a Welsh accent at times. But uh, no, it's it's it is a weird accent. But it I find it slightly distracting some at times as well because he was like sitting talking and stuff, and then in my head I was just working on my Ivan Locke impression, <laughs> <laughs> like I was Sandy. I think I was Sandy the other day when I seen you. Since me and an old friend of mine watch Lock, it's like a running joke now that any time we answer the phone to each other, it's Ivan Lock. <laughs> I was like, don't know, have you been Don't inside it? <laughs> no, no, you were drinking cider. <laughs> it's so good. But so you, can say, you can say that accent, you can say any sentence in that accent, and it just makes you sound like you know what your arm is. I know, one of, one of the best bits, that's just the way he says it, <clears throat> he's telling the guy like he can he can deal with the amount of concrete. I, by the way, you completely shot me down when I said it's about concrete. It's about concrete. That's about concrete. Hey. Oh, about the phone. Hey. Yeah, what but, did I say? It wasn't about concrete. No, because you, you explained the whole affair bit, and I was like, oh, I thought it was about concrete, and you're all, oh, I, 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 like, laughing it off. I have laughed off just because I don't want to. I just thought it was an the whole The whole phone's about concrete. <laughs> Fuck the affair bit. That's, that's, that's pushed to the back. <laughs> but no, he's, he's explaining to the boy, like, he can deal with the amount of concrete. And he's all, you've done this. You've done this. There's just more of it. <laughs> it's the biggest concrete pour in Europe. <laughs> I have a lock undershell of a century. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, this isn't my problem at all. I just went and had an affair and I fucking left you right on it. Like, you know what I mean? Don't be getting on to me with him to pull this fucking concrete. But yeah, it's a sweet film. Don should watch it next week and we'll yeah. talk about it again. <laughs> she just talk about lock every week. Basically, this podcast has just become us trying to compete with you to see who does the best live lock impression. Yeah. Lockcast. Lock. Oh my god. Knock that microphone off and get like we're on that water. Copyright us. <laughs> okay. Um, has everyone said a thing? Yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll move on to news. What is the news this week? Um Kathleen Kennedy, head of Lucasfilm, said that a new Indiana Jones is in development. Oh Jesus. But it's she said it in a way like because Disney bought Star, well, Disney bought Lucasfilm, so they got Star Wars, but they also got Indiana Jones, and she was just kind of highlighting that point, and saying that they are working on it, but they don't have a script. They don't. They don't really have anything. Essentially, she's just saying, "Oh, it's Indiana Jones. We're obviously going to make another." Yeah, seen that journal week is enough to that Harrison Ford hasn't really signed on yet on it. But in fairness, like, I get like bringing him back for Star Wars and stuff like that as Han Solo now because you know it's, I can't have. You know, it's it's hard to come back to the past. You know, it's it's nostalgia to get all those characters back, and it's kind of like the the whole the franchise has come full circle. That's good, but I mean, you cannot realistically now believe Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones being this fucking swashbuckling adventure. Well, the, like in the seventies, there was them rumors though that they were thinking about Chris Pratt to kind of reboot it. But like Harrison Ford is like the elder. No, like Chris Pratt think? being Indiana. Yeah, he would be pretty good. I mean, he fits the mold. I can imagine. And what's weird was like Indiana Jones again. It's kind of crazy. I'm almost like a a franchise hitter because. We chatted a few weeks back about how I've just never... I don't dislike Star Wars, but I just never really got onto it. And I'm the same way on the Anna Jones. I've just never got onto the Anna Jones. I don't I know see, what it is. I know I, I, I've seen them as a kid and stuff, and I like them, but I haven't seen them in years, apart from a couple of weeks ago. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was on. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to stick around, because I hadn't seen them in ages. And I just kind of want to remember the film to see if I actually yeah. like it. Kinda. 
And uh, it was probably about 20, 25 minutes into it all. I was sitting watching it with my girlfriend, Jill. And she goes, how long? Is this Indiana Jones? And I was like, aye. <laughs> she was like, where's Indiana Jones? Powers <laughs> <laughs> of War was currently on screen, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I just pointed at the screen. So there he is there. And she's just kind of talking a minute. I was like, oh, shit. I was thinking about Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> she sat for about 25 minutes looking for fucking McDundee. <laughs> That's all I. <laughs> it was like the time I actually felt kind of bad from. I took my wee brother, Jack, who's eight, but he probably would have been like five or six at the time to see The Dark Knight Rises. Hmm. And like a major complaint about The Dark Knight Rises was oh, the fact what that. What age was it? He probably about five or six. What was that, like two years ago now? Oh, probably about no, I don't know. It was probably two years ago this year, maybe three. It was about five. It was about five or six, I know. Five, same thing. I don't know. That's scary, but I was <laughs> okay. Never. Did you brought him to see Dark Knight at that age? No, no, because when Dark Knight was out, he was one. I, think. I know, but you know, <laughs> like, could you bring a five-year-old to Dark Knight? Yeah, man, it's twelve. It's on their way an adult. Like, it's a bit much. Isn't I'm sneaking on like a madman. A badass kid sneaking on that son of a. But uh, I took him to see the Dark Knight Rises, and. A major complaint about that film is like for a Batman film, Batman's not on it that much. I mean, I could, I think it takes in the Dark Knight Rises like an, like an hour or 50 minutes or something like that for Batman to actually show up. And we were sitting there and it was about 45 minutes on, and even I was thinking, what the fuck is Batman? And there's a stack of really uninterested looking kids on here. My brother started talking to me in the army and was all, Sham, when's the Batman film start? <laughs> <laughs> he thought this was just like a, a, a prelude to the actual film happening. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next news? John Wick 2 has been announced. Oh, baby. Which I'm very excited about. <laughs> that old baby sounded like Green Giant. Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, ho, ho, ho. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, that shit with the advertising campaign for the Green Giant. Uh, Green Giant as well. Where the fuck's he went? I know this is absolutely nothing to do with phones, but like when you're a kid, Green Giant ads flat out on the TV. Obviously, it's one of the ads that sticks your head because it's got a really catchy tagline. Yeah. Oh, oh, green giant. Remember so in Demolition? Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, where the fuck's he going? I remember in Demolition Man, there's the, or the Taco Bell, which is now a fancy restaurant, and yeah. on the piano, the guy's playing like a jazz version of Jolly Green Giant. Oh thing. my oh, god. Oh, yeah. That's all, the last time I heard of it. All, all, <laughs> I, all, all the music they play is like ads and like uh, uh, just like jingles and yeah. stuff. Obviously, people aren't eating sweet corn anymore. I'm sorry, but I mean, the Green Giant is just nowhere to be seen. I've, I've never ate a can of sweet corn. I like, I like frozen sweet corn. I remember so. I remember so mine. I used to, I think it's just because they're both big and green and look strong. I always wonder if you want to fight the Hulk or the Green Giant. Oh, <laughs> hey, who would them? The Green Giant is very noble though. He's got like a wee leafy leotard on too, doesn't he? What the fuck's I, that about? I think, is it not like supposed to be like a corn husk? So <laughs> <laughs> he's got a fucking suit. He's making serious bang. Like. <laughs> well, who's, is, who's taller, the Green Giant or the Hulk? Actually, mm. saying this right, probably, probably the green seemed giant, actually, like he because he's called the giant. Yeah, and like he he's standing next to Bolton's and shit. Like Actually, green yeah. giant would fuck the Hulk up. Like he just standing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but there would be a non-contest. Why even around they think about this? Like, like although saying that, like we we're just saying about Suicide Squad, there now we don't really know anything about the Suicide Squad whatsoever. We know nothing about the green giant. What's his what's his end game? You know what's he can say about? Where does he get all that? Corn yeah, no, from? Where, where does he get all that corn from? Why the fuck's he a giant? <laughs> and why does he sell it to humans? <laughs> None of this ads. <laughs> I'm on this one. I'm going all the way to the top of this one. <laughs> all the way. No, but, like, I can't believe I'm still going on with the Green Giant. But one thing I'm going to say is that, fair enough, I is a logo. 
All right, and he's just there to, to obviously sell corn and stuff. But why, why don't we know about him? And where, where is he? Where, where, where is he in the modern world? There's no place. But if there's no place for the green giant in the modern world, I will not find him. But the reason you don't know more about him is because he doesn't take off as well as you know the meerkat. I mean, he is like a, an autobiography and stuff. Ah, but this is fucking. <laughs> that, that, this is completely different decades. If the meerkat came up in the green giant, it wasn't as pumped. The meerkat wasn't that a fucking chance. I'm telling you, the green giant. Anyway, let's get off this topic. <laughs> We're really going on. This was a fucking bomb podcast. Yeah, John Wick Two's been a nice. Oh, that's how we started. How the fuck do we even get all the green giant from that? You just pulled green giant out your hole. <laughs> but um. I know, John, first John Rick was sweet. Oh, uh, was the oh, baby. That's, <laughs> that's, how, that's how we get on the green jet. Anyway, please continue. I can't, I can't keep going by the green jet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it. Go what, on. what did you think of John Rick? Have you seen it? I, I loved it. I really, really loved it. I think it, uh, it was a nice surprise because I'd heard nothing of it, you know, kind of when it was in production. And uh, I watched it one night, and it was kind of, it's nice, you know, now with like the internet and obviously like forums and boards and fucking you know magazines. You've got so much readily available information about a film from its inception right through production, and you know basically everything about the film before you actually go and watch it. So it was nice, or it is nice just in general to, to watch a film and not have any knowledge of it whatsoever. Yeah. Because usually you are surprised, and you know, this time I was surprised for the better because I literally had no idea what the plot was. I obviously knew that you know. Kind of reason he's gonna fucking shoot some people and it was a thriller and stuff, but I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, it's so over the top. Like it's, the, what are they call it? I think they've they've dubbed it like Gong Fu. Gong Fu. Yeah. Gong Fu. It's so good. I mean, it's it, it's really really good. Have, I mean, I know that Keanu Reeves is kind of really dedicated to doing his own stunts, kind of like Tom Cruise. I know that he did a lot of his own stuff in like the the Matrix trilogy. Well, from but, the Matrix, he basically just learned kung fu. Like, yeah. I mean, he's like a badass at that shit, right? Yeah, but I mean, he's he's, he's so good, and it's it's his, it's his movements that the fighting's like really because I mean, you know yourself. Hey, the, the way he kind of moves about with the gun, like, it's, Aye, it's, it's nearly it's, really awkward. Yeah, or he's, he's angling his body with the uh, gun yeah. and stuff, but it's really really cool, and it just gives it that nice wee niche that you know that so many other thrillers or you know films of its of its kind don't have. What uh, what I, I did like is like obviously. Jesus, thriller films, you know, guy goes on a rampage, revenge movie, yeah. shoots, but you know, you get them a dime a dozen. But I mean, it just gave it a nice, <laughs> just, uh, just something a bit different, you know what I mean? Something that I hadn't seen before, and at the same time, too, it's really fast paced, and because of how well it's choreographed and its fight scenes and shooting up scenes, it, it actually engages you instead of just making you switch off. Because I think we were talking last week about like a lot of fight scenes and shoot em ups, so many of them are. You know, identical. You know, yeah. and then you just get very tired of them straight yeah. away because you've seen them so many times before. But no, it was good, and I'm I'm quite happy about a sequel. Are they going to kill his dog in a second one too? What's, what's, <laughs> what's, what's, what's going to set him off this thing? Is, like? is he going to get a cat this time? Yeah, no, that's a wonder. But uh, I think I think it's going to be just that he's he's back. He's just back. People keep asking him, "Is he back? He's, he's back." back. <laughs> he <laughs> he just, just died. I think he's just back in life, and he's just going to go. Fuck shit up, twenty four seven. Fucked off. They've they've said as well. It's going to be a sequel. It's not going to be like a prequel of like how he became the boogeyman or anything like that. That would be interesting too, though. No, but prequels are so shit. Yeah. But um, I hope they go more into the actual hotel as well because I I really the, like the Hitman Hotel was sweet. Yeah, a lot of people thought that that was maybe a wee bit too much, but at the same time, I mean, like Jesus Christ, it's not like John Wick was ever made as a serious fucking drama. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> so you're, you're, you're like you're, you're allowed to kind of go over the top and stuff like that with it. So I I like that idea. I actually thought that that would be a pretty cool film in, its, in itself. Yeah, you know, like that Hitman Hotel and like obviously there's this code of honor in there and stuff like that. But mm. I've always 
one, I was kind of thinking it'd be really cool if you done like a, a sort of siege film, like where she had like you know raids and stuff like that. Yeah. If someone sieged that hotel or like the that would be so good. That would be so good. Or like the intric- the intricacies. Get that word out. Although hotel, it'll be pretty Sharon, cool. Can I steal some miracle? Because yes. I, re- I realize I don't have water here. <laughs> <laughs> there, but no, I found that part really interesting. Yeah, I'm the same. I was kind of not th- not disappointed, but I would have liked it if they kind of dwelled on it a bit more. And you maybe found out about this kind of that kind of code that they have in there. And like you know, you can't kill in the hotel and stuff, and it's uh, seen as like the, the, the sacred act. And they have their own currency and shit. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. It it's weird that they kind of all that stuff in there like mm. it's just it's you can tell there's a history there but they don't they don't really go on there which i kind of like i like that too because it, it seems like you're just scratching the surface with that world and i think it definitely you know there is a lot that you could do with a sequel maybe even start a franchise with it mm. uh, and even putting like we details like that on i mean it's a great way to flesh out a film and kind of expand the world about giving a bit of depth because i mean they could have very easily just left those scenes out of the whole thing about the you know the the Hatman Code in that hotel, yeah. and you know, it would have made for a, a far more boring film, but it wouldn't have done anything to the narrative whatsoever because yeah. it doesn't really add to the narrative when you're not good. So that was good. It's a screenwriter's playground as well, they pull different colorful characters now, yeah, pull out stories and just bite same, bite same. And because it's such a big hotel, I mean, you could just easily just introduce new characters yeah. all the time, you know what I mean? Okay, next news yeah. is uh, oh, hang on, let me get the boy's name. They're they're doing a, another It film. Well, they've never actually done a film, have they? It was yeah. a, it was a TV film, wasn't it? No, it was, a, it was like a TV like miniseries. Kind of. yeah. It was a two-part kind of thing. That was Wait, the... Tim Curry. Oh, yeah, was so it Tim Curry? Mm-hmm. No. My topic later on, obviously, I don't want to bring him up early, but is uh, your favourite film as a kid, but I should have probably done the film <laughs> that scared that shit out of you the most. The first, <laughs> the first film that scared that shit out of you the most as a kid, and it was, a, I mean... That fucking horrified me sleepless nights for weeks. The dream. Oh my yeah. god, you brought it up. <laughs> oh fucking hell, that caused me many a night terror. It's so bad. Oh fuck, I'm not going to. Yeah, you've upset me now, Michael. <laughs> Just <laughs> even <laughs> even remembering that, never mind knowing that there's going to be a fucking remake. No, oh. but I, uh, when I was a kid, uh, we went to visit family in America and we were playing frisbee in their garden and it went down a dream. Oh Jesus. <laughs> I would have ended it there. I would not. I would have sent my dad down. <laughs> no, they went. They went down. Oh. They obviously but, uh, haven't seen it. I, I don't want to. But uh, right, so this is the guy who's going to be the new it, Will Poulter. Right. He's uh, was he not son of Rambo? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. He was. Uh, he was on more than all. He, he's, he's he's grown up creepy. I know. You know what I mean, yeah, he was kind of just a normal kid and something. He looks fucking creepy, you know. And that's about the makeup. That's just his, <laughs> that's just his face. <laughs> uh, well, that is a really creepy photo. It's his yeah. IMDb profile picture. It's it's, it's pretty hard. Creepy. They don't even fucking need to put a wig on nose and that. Who's <laughs> <laughs> standing up on a fucking mattress? I'm fucking shaking myself. Don't know if I'm fucking blunt or not. Because <laughs> no, I knew him. Uh, more from where the Millers like recently just oh I forgot I chose that too but he was just the kind of goofy kid in that era yeah. and they think he would be Pennywise then like oh Christ but seeing seeing that particular picture of him you can see him being really oh, very young for that role he must be in his early 20s what is 22 it? fuck he's very very young they take that role and it's a bit of, it's a bit of left field casting for me but uh yeah, fuck it. Go it's with it. I'll not be watching the film anyway because I'll <laughs> have a relapse and start having to sleep all night on again. It's the it's the director of uh, True Detective, though, that's directing it. Oh, oh fuck it. Oh, fuck that. That's super interesting. Watch that, eh? Yeah, definitely going first. I should have led with that. Yeah, you should have led with that, yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's how it's how directed. It's going to be a two part film mm-hmm. thing as well, so it's it part one and it part two. Mm-hmm. Excellent. But I know I think uh, him as a director is really interesting for me. Yeah, because I'd seen nothing of this until True Detective. Was yeah, True, True Detective is just like an eight hour film. Or yeah, whatever. that's, yeah, that's not many fucking many. astonishing. Speaking of, just can we go quickly on that because it's out pretty soon. True Detective series two. Excited? Not mm-hmm. excited? Excited? Very I'm excited. Fucking super super excited. Very and why a lot of people, yeah. obviously the naysayers. After they found out that it was a, like an, an anthology series, and you know McConaughey and, and Harrelson wouldn't be coming back, you know they're really disappointed. They were all well, they can't top that. They can't top that. But I think it kind of works to its strengths too, because when you actually think about it, you know Rust and Murray's story had went as far as it could go. Yeah, if, you, if you were if you if you were to have them back for yeah. a second series, they wouldn't be as kind of iconic. You would just kind of get tired, fresh, right? and, and it would ruin the characters. So now the fact that they can have new stories new people yeah. every series that's definitely going to play to its strengths I and I think they're casting I wonder what people are saying about like Van Spawn but Van Spawn he can act psycho like he, he can act really dark I'm fucking actor like I'm so excited to see him same in here it. because he's a really underrated dramatic yeah, actor it's like just because actor. he does so many shitty comedies yeah. and let's be fair he's had fucking dud after dud the past <laughs> couple of years yeah. but he's a really good dramatic actor and he can't play Antimony because I mean he has just because yeah. he's a big funny guy you actually forget if Vince Vaughn, he didn't know him as a comedian, he'd be a tum- an intimidating yeah. looking guy. Like, he's like fucking 6'5". Yeah, he's, 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 he's six five. He's got he's quite serious looking. He's, he's huge. So I'm kind of looking forward to him going that way again. I think that he's going to be the surprise package of series two. Wow. And also I've always thought that Colin Farrell's one of the most underrated actors of his generation. Yeah. 100%. So, Because uh, I mean, Colin Farrell's filmography the past couple of years is so brutal. He's had so many good films. Even like lesser known ones like Alan Dean. Alan Dean's really good. Obviously he had in Bruges. Seven Psychopaths is okay. Pride yeah, and Glory, exactly. I think, is a really underrated film. It's a police procedural, but I think it's a really, really good film. And he plays, like a, obviously, a, a racist cop, which maybe isn't a, a huge challenge. He's, he's had before. shit films as well, like Winter's Tale. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we can allow everybody a shit film. Yeah, but that is particularly bad. That's particularly bad. Particularly just rare. Yeah, it's really out there. But I think, like, Winter's Tale, halfway through, I, I don't even have a script going on that film. <laughs> I think like halfway through that film, they probably thought, hey, you know what? It's just fucking bad shit, crazy. Anyway, let's just start making shit up. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it, it it doesn't have to make sense anymore. Like, uh, we put the devil in there. Wolf Smuff. Ah, fuck it. Go for it. It's Colin Lou. That's what he was calling that film, Lou. Yeah, Cipher. Because you know it's like Lucifer. It's Bert. Oh my god. Right. I thought you were joking when you said Lou Cipher. Game over. <laughs> I don't know if, it, if that's his last name like they just call him Lou in the vault <laughs> hey, I'll be back in two seconds you gotta go to the bathroom oh yes oh you up against the mic a little bit give your opinion on <laughs> True Detective Series 2 I'm, I'm no I'm really looking forward to it I'm, I'm really excited for Vince Vaughn mm. uh, being doing dramatic stuff again and I, I love Colin Farrell as well and Rachel McAdams yeah who's kind of love Rachel the writer. she's a great actress and uh also, people are forgetting about Taylor. K- I think it's because Taylor Kitsch. I feel, I feel, oh, Taylor. <laughs> I feel no, bad. he is good. But. I feel bad for Taylor Kitsch because he was given like this huge role of John Carter from Mars, and like obviously they they'd heard John Carter's good film. It is. That's an all on the riddle one. It just it was all down to the marketing. It was marketing really, really, really poorly because I mean. Just the, the sheer fact it's just called John Carter. Aye, who, no, exactly, nobody knows exactly, who the fuck it is. The and it was kind of strange for Disney because Disney are masters of marketing stuff. The fact that that underperformed, considering that at, I think at the time it was the most expensive movie ever. Was it? I think it was like a, over 300 million plus. Don't, don't quote me that, I'm not quite sure, but it was definitely one of the highest budgets ever. 300 million plus. So considering that 
because they have invested so much money in it, so much time, and they are masters of marketing, the fact that they fail so spectacularly to get yeah. that off the ground kind of really surprised me, especially when uh, they've actually been trying to get that film made for years. Right. I mean, like they've been circling that for a long time. And you feel bad for Andrew Stanton as well because it's his first live, first live action. action, and he obviously had so much success at Pixar. Mm. I mean, like I, I think to all involved, the actual finished product. Yeah, that's a really. I wouldn't say. It, I think it's a good film. I do think it definitely yeah, has its flaws, but it's. You know, it's really disappointing when you see a film like that. Like we were talking about earlier on with Dread too. A really good film that should have got a wider audience. Yeah. But just wasn't marketed right or maybe just came out at the wrong time and just didn't garner people's interest. But then the nice thing about films like that is they're usually vindicated by history. Like, you know, a couple of years, yeah, down, yeah. A couple of years down the line, they usually pop up. Yeah, yeah, by through DVDs and now, like I think we were chatting about last week, Netflix. I think Netflix gives a huge chance to films that were maybe underseen or underappreciated yeah. when they were first released. Now they can you know, get that wider audience and actually be viewed by more people. <coughs> Dawn's back, by the way. Hey! <laughs> hey, kids. Um, okay. Next news. Oh, yeah, so... It's announced Martin Freeman has joined Captain America Civil War. They haven't said what he's playing yet. Yeah, I've seen that. But, you know, Martin Freeman's great acting. So, stick with him, why not? <laughs> oh, no. You also, you also know... Uh, both Sherlock members are part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I've seen it. They just do everything together. They were both in the Hobbit. They were both in the <laughs> They are. The, they're actually like really life life companions. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I was thinking recently that you actually look at, and it's kind of been like a, a whirlwind kind of say about seven or eight years for Martin Freeman. You know, from since coming from the office, but you look at everything Martin Freeman's done. Nearly all of it is fucking excellent. Yeah. He done Fargo, mm-hmm. excellent. He done Sherlock, excellent. He done the Hobbit series where okay they're not as good as Lord of the Rings, but I still thoroughly enjoyed all three um, films. But his his <coughs> performance in the Hobbit oh is probably is, one of the best things for it. I I think he, there's an argument to be made for what, one of the best performances in the whole Middle Earth. Yeah, the six films. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there's he's he's amazing in them films. There was I mean like it was never going to garner any sort of you know momentum, but I remember after the I'm not quite sure if it was the first or the second Hobbit came out. But you know, there's a lot of people saying, well, just because it's a fantasy film, they really shouldn't be ignoring Martin Freeman's performance. You know, like for Oscar nominations and stuff like that, mm-hmm. because they thought he was excellent because he he just got all the the salties of Bobo. But obviously, I mean, they're never going to nominate the best actor for a Lord of the Rings for a fantasy film because they're quite snobbish when it comes to stuff like that. But well, Return of the King won like eleven Oscars. No, I mean like <laughs> acting wise because it's an ensemble cast, yeah, and yeah. as well, I mean that was seen as the kind of night that legitimised the fantasy genre because before then it was yeah. seen like oh it's just a thing for weirdos and nerds and you know it's not true art and stuff like that and you know it was actually good that the, the academy actually went against their, their normal voting patterns and went for it but then ever since I think they've kind of went back into their shell and they've they, they, they've, they've had so many chances they nominate or give awards to films that are new and fresh but I don't know that they seem to always make the fucking well not always make the wrong choice but they make wrong choices quite a bit do you think that's the reason why they're stellar didn't get nominated for anything uh, I think so I think that there's there's definitely uh, there's a snobbishness and a reluctance they nominate well, sci-fi and was a, Interstellar that good that was that really I really like it. fucking beautiful the acting amazing the film all together original enough for like a sci-fi film it's always I thought it was I thought it was excellent you, but you I, look, I didn't I didn't I thought it was a grand film, but I, it it wouldn't be up there for me like, like one of the best films. Like. But for me, this year at the Oscars, for what was I think it was quite a weak year. You know what I mean? I think that the Birdman was was really good, 
don't think it was excellent. I think without Michael Keaton's performance, oh, obviously, of course, not relative. Right. The, the camera work and stuff like that's absolutely oh, excellent. I mean, that, that is yeah, well, it's what, so well what's done. his name? Emmanuel Lebesky, is it? Did he do the cinematography for Birdman? I have no oh, idea. what's the director's name? Oh, uh, uh, Inaratu, uh, Alejandro Inaratu. I can, I, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not quite sure. Aye. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> Completely forgot my point. I didn't try anything. Else now. No, I had, I think it was something along the lines of he's he's good. So definitely. Yeah, that, that's that. That's the story. Uh, no, but I think this year for the Oscars was quite a bit like Birdman. Then you have <clears> the <throat> Grand Budapest Hotel, which is you know. Uh, as long as in that. An excellent film. It's, film. it's, it's, very it's good. really, really good. Course, that, I mean, like, it's it's Wes Anderson all over. I mean, if you yeah. haven't seen a Wes Anderson, I think that one of those things Wes Anderson is kind of becoming a man like the writer because some people hate his style and just think that it's style over substance. You don't like him? No, I love him. You oh, you love. See, I, I love Wes Anderson's style. I think he is like I'm saying that turning into a bit of a marmite director, but uh, I think for me that's that's the best film he released. But then you look at stuff then like. The Imitation Game, The Theory of Everything, they're good, solid dramas, but they're complete and utter Oscar bits. You know, it's, it's the same kind of... I, I heard a over, lot overcome, about, the, about yeah. the Imitation Game, like, it is just a kind of standard kind of... It is just a standard drama, like, but overcoming adversity and... It, it is an incredible story, though. Oh, it's incredible. Oh, Alan Turing's one of the fucking greatest human beings ever loved, certainly, yeah. and, and obviously they honoured him through through that film, but it is just a kind of standard drama with your usual tropes and, you know, the, the, the quirky leading, you know, he's... So well, they're not quite sure if he had Asperger's, or he was kind of socially yeah. awkward, and he overcomes that, and obviously he does this amazing thing. I, I liked it. I did like it, and it kind of it engaged me. But it, it was something that you've seen it's standard drama. So I do think it was a weak year, and considering the fact that the Oscars get ten nominations for best picture, can they yeah, ten, ten nominations for best picture, and this year they only chose eight. That really annoys me. I think me and you discussed that before. I when see, they have I, ten, I mean, even fair enough. I'm not saying nominate a film just for like a kind of pity look. Like, oh, look, he got a best picture nomination. Fair play. But I mean, like, if there's two spaces there and there are films that are just as good as the all right, put them on there for contention for the see, vote. It, there's but there's an actual system the way it works. Like a film needs to get above like a certain threshold before it mm. can be in there. That's why sometimes they have eight, some, sometimes they have nine, sometimes they have ten. It's how many films get above a certain threshold, that's what gets you nominated. Yeah. But the I, fact that, I mean, like, like I say, especially in a weak year, like Dylan was making this point, the fact that Interstellar was nominated for Best Picture, for being, you know... I, I don't think it deserved it. No, I, think I think it, it did. For I, being so broad in scope, so ambitious, I think everything, like you said, was, was nailed on. I think the acting... Yeah, it has a soundtrack as well, it was so different. Was just, excellent. Yeah. I mean, fair enough, not saying... Pipe organs in space. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying they should have won best picture, but it certainly should have been nominated for for something. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, how, how did we get on that point? Uh, just he started talking about Interstellar. Basically. <laughs> I mean, how did we get on the Interstellar? Oh, we were talking about how good Martin Freeman was. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Because <laughs> he's you, you just listen to the podcast and you can you can find all the trains of thought. Uh, sure enough, <laughs> I can find how we got there. <laughs> you, he's just talking about what we're actually doing. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah. Uh, so Martin Freeman's added the Civil War, but then they announced just the whole cast. So like, who's who from the MCU's coming in? So of the of the list here, Scarlet Witch is going to be in it, Black Widow, Captain America, obviously Iron Man, The Vision, Hawkeye, Agent Thirteen, Winter Soldier, Ant Man, Falcon, Baron Zemo, Crossbones, Black Panther, War Machine, General Thunderbolt Ross. <laughs> Certainly that's a made up one. <laughs> They're trying to catch us out there. <laughs> no, it's William Hurt. It's the general from Incredible Hulk. Oh, I love 
Lambert. What a waste of no, Jesus Christ, I'm not gonna say what a waste of talent. He's a phenomenally talented actor, but William Hurt's one of these actors that frustrates me because he's so good, but he's not on enough stuff. You just want him to do more work. But I, I, I think it's interesting that they're bringing him in, like, acknowledging the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, they have a Norton. Because because te- technically it is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but mm-hmm. they kind of do ignore it because obviously they've changed the Hulk now. Yeah, they kind of whitewashed it because they're, they're, Norton dropped out. They're bringing him back now from the Incredible Hulk. But, yeah... It's basically just another Avengers film, really. Yeah, it just it really has everybody is. in there. It really is. And I mean, there has to come a point to you, I think, that we were discussing that before. For me, even just reading that out, that list is huge. I mean, I think there was enough characters to focus on anyway. That's just, I think it's overkill. I mean, I know that they're trying to please the fan base and the Marvel fans, the comic book fans, want to see as many of their favourite characters as possible. But, you know, is it going to make a cohesive film? But I mean, I think Joss Whedon were the first Avengers and maybe not so well... In, in, in the sequel that was just released did a really good job of kind of focusing on all those characters and giving them their own wee treats and you know making them all seem like they're, they're part of a huge team and they all mean as much as, as the next guy you know Espe- well, I think you done that really well with Hawkeye and, and uh, Black Widow in the first one because compared to like you know Thor's a fucking god you know what I mean yeah. and they're just normal fucking kind of mercenaries I but really like Hawkeye in the second one yeah they, they tried to flesh him out a bit yeah. and I like they, they kind of played on the fact that he knows that he's he, can just shoot, he, can, he can just shoot bows and stuff whereas all these guys have like superhuman powers yeah <laughs> but, but um oh yeah for Civil War though it's the Russo's uh, directing again yeah who did uh, Captain America Winter Soldier which was a very good film mm. and actually I, I, well we should brought it up last week when we were talking about comic book films because we were kind of saying they all follow the same kind of like formula I, well they, they do but at least we Winter Soldier it was more like a kind of espionage film and they kind of injected a bit of that in it. Huh. And so it, I think it does kind of change up a bit. And I think that's what Marvel's doing with their films kind of generally. Like they, they want to give it like a certain genre. Like yeah. like Winter Soldier was uh, like a spy film or like a, a espionage kind of thing. And then like Ant-Man seems like it's going to be more of a comedy. Guardians is more of a comedy. Doctor Strange will be more of a kind of horror thing. I'm really looking forward to Doctor Strange. Not just now, because, I mean, they have went through the casting ringer with him. They've been trying to cast him for so many years to find the right person. But then as I come back, it just seems right. I, seem I right. remember when he was in Lewisburg, though. Everybody, well, get, get kind of like what the stuff I look at the, on the internet and stuff, like, it seemed everybody was like, oh, that's a good choice. Like, he seems too good of a choice like yeah. oh you should have threw us like should a have went up on a left uh, yeah. threw us a curveball like he's he just seems like too be perfect per- yeah. uh, too perfect for Dr. Shane he's like it doesn't excite you kind of because it just it's better to come out he's obviously going to be amazing at it like you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> which is a bit of a shame to feel that way but yeah <laughs> Gesture with your hand, so I thought you were about to say something and kind of bring us both in. Did I just point. tickle it? Is that what you're trying to say? I talk with my hands. You do? I do not. You're, I, you're I, half I, Italian. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, you get the casual racism is incredible. No, you say this about yourself all the time, so wise up. I'm like a politician, I see. Not a half Italian. Well, aren't they all half Italian? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's not watched anything about the election. Um, I watched. I watched the thing. Wait, uh, what do you call her? The big tall one, Miranda Hart. The big tall one. 
I see. I seen her like delivering a royal baby or something as a puppet. What? Huh? Oh, Miranda Hart. Yes. Like there, like there, somebody made like a puppet of her delivering like the royal baby. I well, more likely because she does call the midwife, which oddly enough I've been watching this week because uh, Lita's really on it. Is it's quite, good? it's quite a good period drama. To be quite honest with you, I'm surprised. I mean, like it's your standard sort of BBC is she, fair. Is she kind of like the comic relief? Well, you know what? She's not. And I, I fucking hate the Miranda show. I mean, I think it's one of the worst comedies, if you can even call it a comedy, that has ever been put out there. Just your Paul standard, loves it. Uh, <laughs> your standard BBC family comedy, just jokes that are fucking so on the nose that they are the nose you know what I mean <laughs> but uh, you're just watching a nose for <laughs> but I mean open a little sneeze I was really surprised I kind of I kind of <laughs> open all day anything <laughs> I'm trying to make a bad point here you muttering under your fucking breath <laughs> like a wane at the back of the class <laughs> you know when you're dying they sneeze sometimes and you just kind of <laughs> oh I had it in Tesco I fucking no. gobbed over a, a melon in Tesco earlier I was no, trying to make my sneeze for ages and I was like I Ah, ah. and then it went away I was like alright oh, sweet and I took about two steps I went Jesus and I just shot out on top of a melon and a boy who, a boy who worked at, a boy who worked in Tesco kind of looked at me and he knew what went on he knew that there was fucking my god all over all over that melon and like I walked on I kind of seen him move towards the melon he definitely rode off <laughs> reduced reduced and clear <laughs> Tesco again, he was saying, I'm a, they got Ben and Jerry. Are we sponsored by Tesco? <laughs> in Tesco, every little helps. <laughs> but he was walking past, he said, oh man, they got Ben and Jerry's on fucking half price. I was all, I'm on it. But then the next day. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Right past him, he had eight tubs in Australia. <laughs> so I was like, This never happens. I am taking full advantage. Like, a bunch of fucking fruit. <laughs> See, I, I was I was walking home earlier, and uh, I was just, I you know, having a dog, you kind of notice dog shit on the ground more yes. just because I have to pick up my dog shit. So yes. I get angry when I see dog shit. So I, I noticed a bit of dog shit on the ground, and there was this woman like walking the opposite direction, and she stopped dead like right in front of the dog shit and I was like what, what's she about to do like <laughs> I, I walked past her but she like stopped it and she was wearing kind of like shoes that are like you can just slide off 
And then she slipped her foot out of the shoe. And what? Like, and I kept on looking back. She's like, what is this woman doing? Then she, she was at her sock. Like, she was about to take off her sock. And I was thinking, she's going to pick up this shit with her sock or something. <laughs> and then it turned out she was just fixing her sock. And then she walked up. <laughs> I was like, why did you stop right in front right of the dog, dog shit? shit it's just fucking strange. It's bizarre, yeah. It was It was so weird. Anyway, films. <laughs> that was a fun tangent on them. Um, what, what were we even talking about? Okay, ah, uh, yeah. Beverly Hills Cop Four. Beverly Hills Cop Four has been cancelled. Well, not so much cancelled. I didn't but, even know there was one. That's a lot of No, no ba- basically they had they had a release date set for it. No, they just announced the film. Was and the, the crazy fog going to be taking Eddie Murphy's role or? No, he was going to be his partner. <laughs> oh, his wife's cracking partner. Yeah. It's like 48 hours over again. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, so they've removed it from the release schedule. Yeah, I've never been Beverly Hills Cop fan, so I really can give a shit. Mm. I, I, I enjoyed the original trilogy, but you know if they bring it back, it's going to be shit. Yeah. You just know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like... I mean, does, does Eddie Murphy even want to good, do good films anymore? <laughs> yeah. it's, Eddie Murphy's like, kind of... It's a I love Eddie Murphy because he's, he's super talented, but he just does these films just yeah. for the money. It's, it's it's all it's like we were saying earlier on. I mean, back in his earlier career, obviously he did like Eddie Murphy raw, and he did so many good films. Like he come to America, fair enough. Maybe some of them have an age. Forty hours, forty hours. Like we were just saying. I mean, and even even like the the Beverly Hills Cop, really like the first one's really good. The other two maybe not so great, but you know, so many great films. And he was like a fucking comedy icon, probably the biggest comedian in America for you know a good couple of years. And then he just realised, right, I've made millions. I can continue to make millions, but just do fucking shit films and it really doesn't matter. But then he'd done Dreamgirls and he was excellent in that. And, you know, they thought that he was on the chance to win an Oscar. Doesn't happen, you know, because of stuff see, behind, well, behind the scenes from what they were saying. I, well, what I heard from the air was that he, he, like, they had to kind of talk him into doing that role. Mm. And then when he didn't get nominated for an Oscar, he was raging. Mm. And then he just went back to doing money films again. Like he, yep. like he could get like twenty million for doing a film, and like Amazon and Dreamgirls, he didn't get that. Like it was like a low budget film again. It was like we were talking about earlier on, we're at the start of the podcast talking about Brad Pitt and people having you know like the hunger to to do better work and stuff, and it just seems like Eddie Murphy's hunger went kind of really quickly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he was starving for a while, and then Fall he got full up very very yeah. quickly. Uh, and it's like. It's that's a point because he is so talented. Like, and it's frustrating. I mean, a, a lot of people say, "Well, sure, what to do in your your everyday life?" But when you know someone's that talented and can you know be so funny and bring so much joy to people, and then you see him in a fucking latex suit in Norbit, and you're like, "What the fuck is this about?" Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Even kids don't like it. Then it's aimed the kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? They even think Norbit's shit. He's a good donkey, though. Oh yeah, that's probably his, <laughs> that's probably his best role the past twenty years. Certainly in my mind, that ever his best film. <laughs> oh, also, just have to mention Milan. Amazing. Oh. <laughs> Milan's like my favourite Disney movie. It's so good. Not, 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 not the Lion King? No, it's Milan all the way, man. It's yeah, the best soundtrack. That's the Lion King for me. No. That was my impression of the Lion King. <laughs> Do you ever hold your dog up and do that? I have done it. <laughs> Not lying. I don't, I don't last night. My dog was trying to eat me hamster. I was telling you I got a new yeah. hamster. And he was at the cage and stuff. I'm going to do it with a hamster. With <laughs> 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 <Well>, one hand. <laughs> but he was trying to eat me hamster. I'm like, wait, it was all but that fucking dog at the back. He's trying to eat our hamster. So I lifted him like, by underneath the arms. But as I lifted him, I kind of like, lifted him over a seat. So I had him up like that and I realised this is the fucking Lion King pose. <laughs> so as I was fucking fucking him out the back, I was like, oh, hey, man. Oh. <laughs> as I went to turf him out the back, I went, oh, 
<laughs> okay, what else we got here? Um, oh, there was a picture released for The Hateful Eight. Right. Tarantino's new film. Oh, Solos, the Solos. What, Jack, man? Cool, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> up. You're mad. Tim Roth. Tim Roth looks a lot like uh, Jesus Christoph Waltz. I think fucking Kirk Douglas looks like a badass. That's a big mustache. Yeah. Is Kirk Douglas on it? Not Kirk Douglas. Uh, Kirk Russell. Kirk Russell. Sorry. <laughs> so, Kirk, 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 Kirk. <laughs> Kirk Douglas is like fucking ninety-seven. He's still living as a what? I, I miss there's there's the actual cover yeah, entertainment. They look badass. I fucking there's another one. He's really underrated and doesn't do enough. Kurt Russell's the fucking man. Like, yeah. He's so good. Yeah. That was the problem with Death Proof. Yeah. You put Kurt Russell in the film, you want to see Kurt Russell in the film. Exactly. Instead, they just kind of just... And I was kind of... I was, I was excited because, I mean, it's, it's... Maybe, I don't know if it's by choice or maybe by his own choices, but, uh, you know... But Kurt Russell, for me, was always one of the most charismatic leading oh, men in, right. in, in, like, Hollywood. And then... His career kind of tailed off, you know, my nineties and stuff like that. Maybe he made some poor films, and you know, he just like, he, he did, yeah, Jesus, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Like, what was it? Soldier. Soldier. So Dreadful bad. film. But then, obviously, the past few years you don't really hear about him much. And he, he's not written in the limelight. And then when I heard he was doing Death Proof a couple of years ago, obviously Tarantino has got that. You know, he's kind of renowned for you know bringing. He's a great yeah, as well, yeah. Yeah, bringing actors kind of flailing yeah. careers back. And then I thought, fuck yes, he's gonna. Put Kurt Russell nah. back in that limelight again, nah. and then he went, and it was his fucking worst film by a country mile. Oh, Death Proof was fucking yeah. so bad, like yeah. it was so self-serving, so uh, self-serving. Like, I mean, it's it was like Tarantino saying, "This is the films I love." No, he's done that before to great effect, but also still made like a really engaging narrative. Like, yeah. But like this was like, "This is the films I like," and I love Vanishing Point, so I'm just gonna have people talk about Vanishing Point, even though even people who are on the Tarantino, the casual viewer wouldn't have a fucking clue about Vanishing Point. I've seen Vanishing Point; that was a great film, but. They haven't just can't say there and just references like that that are so just on your fist. See, that's not only that, but Kurt Russell's character stuff on Mike was so fucking interesting. He had this big, mad, deep scar on yeah. his face. And you're thinking, like, after the first car crash, yeah. we're going to delve into something on Mike now. Yeah. But no, it's just these new characters coming in. You're like, yeah, what the fuck is this? And it's like, like the rest of the films are fucking car chasing. You're just like, this is shit. Yeah, no, what was the point of even putting them in there? Like, nah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, some of you look at Kurt Russell's films. I mean, like, you got the fine, you know, Big Trouble in Little China. He's, he's done so many, many good performances and he's got that obviously well you've got to skip skip near skip the like oh, snake plus snake plus of course skin. but he's just got this badass charm and i think he's so under you so hopefully this is just, this this is the, so the second coming hopefully, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, really hopefully this it. isn't our death proof we've got in our hands here <laughs> he deserves it it's a western by tarantino which are usually good yeah well, well, he's he's I think he's gonna make it work no well, no it's like a glorious bastards was kind of a western in the fact in the sense it was no man's land yeah, you know what I mean, France. Well, and Django is essentially uh, a Western Glorious Bastards. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of hold them as the same film. No, I think he's got his style now. What just revengeful? <laughs> well, no, I just, I just think it kind of. I don't know. I just seen very similar films for some reason. Oh well, yeah, if you look at all, I mean, all films. But that's the thing you've similar. got. You've got to think about this way. You've done the gangster films, right? You've done the revenge films, and now he's doing the historical films. So it makes sense if they had their own sort of same vibe. Mm, I suppose. You know what I mean? It might have just been Christoph Waltz. Though. It might just be a massive coincidence. <laughs> if, if like his character was just the exact same, <laughs> just a just a nice guy. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's so good. Now it's kind of weird as well because like Christoph Waltz. I had two roles for Tarantino, one Oscar for both of them. Yeah. What else has Christoph Waltz done? 
Big Eyes. I know, I know he was in, yeah, Bright Eyes. Big Eyes. Big Eyes. Is it Big Eyes? I haven't seen the link, but Big Eyes. So he was in Big Eyes. Apparently he's awful in that though. Is he? He's like super overactive. Oh, no, don't tell me that. Christoph Ball seems like such a nice guy. I don't want to do a bad role. Green uh, Hornet. Green Hornet, that's what I was going to say. Again, he's, I, I, he's, he's amazing in it, though. <laughs> I think he was overacting that. Maybe Christoph Waltz is shit, and the one's caught on. He, 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 he did that uh, film Carnage, did you ever see it? Yeah, that's really good, the Plansky. That's really, really good. That's a really good film. It's like a wee, yeah, the, the, it's, wee uh, well, it's based on a plane, yeah. plane so it's just, yeah. a, just, Basically just a plane. Basically, it's like a chamber <laughs> drama, essentially. But then, I mean, the quality of fucking actor in that film, yeah. and obviously the quality of the script, because it was, you know, a top-selling play. It's a really, really good one. It's nice too, I like films that kind of weigh in under 85 minutes because I feel like you can watch them uh, and then get on your day very quickly, you know what I mean? Because like, you know, sometimes you do like about an hour and a half spare, but you know, a lot of films like two hours, maybe two hours 20, and you're like, it's a buddy, I come up with. Yeah. You'll have to work it out. Like, I yeah, have to get that on. Uh, Christoph Waltz as well, he's the bad guy in the new James Bond. Yes! Mm. Yeah, he's does. not blowfilled. He's not blowfilled now. But he's probably going to be blowfilled. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's Christoph Waltz as a villain, just. Let's move this shit on. Oh, so the. There's a Orson Welles Indiegogo campaign going yeah. for, what do you call the film again? The Other Side of the Wind. The Other Side of the Wind is unfinished film unfinished. that they're trying to get money now to finish it off. And I just kind of wanted to bring it up just because I think it's an interesting... It's hugely interesting. And it's, it's just, it's such a big thing kind of as a film fan. Do, do, like you could be a part of it like in Pop Not even so much that but I mean it, it's such a big thing as a film fan to, for there to be potentially a, a new Orson Welles film to be released yeah, you know technically in the modern day like fucking like what 30 35 years yeah. after 40 years near enough after it was it was first shot it, it is probably like like that video we watched you know just before we started the podcast uh, it's probably the most famous definitely the most famous unfinished film that there is oh, yeah. uh, because it's Orson Welles it, it adds so much more intrigue to it too because he's seen as you know one of the most enigmatic but you know greatest directors of all time but apparently too it's because it's kind of been locked away in a vault not many people have seen the footage but the people who have actually seen the footage have said that everything that's there because it actually doesn't even need that many scenes now to be filmed they actually complete it mm. a lot of it is near enough done but they says that it is an absolute masterpiece a lot of people say that it could potentially be well obviously it'd be hard to compare it to Citizen Kane but uh, it is maybe his best work so and when people say that I mean you're worried that after all this build up and you know, uh, when it gets funded just... and it's released and maybe it's subpar, maybe because mm-hmm. it it hasn't had his fingerprints over every shot that you know might it might seem a bit lackluster or it might be handled too well. But from what I'm hearing it is supposed to be absolutely excellent. That is an exciting thing because it's taken so long for him to get to this point. Yeah. So it, it's a huge thing in film and they'll, they'll definitely well hundred percent they'll get the funding for it. But yeah. I mean what is the website again? And they go go. And they go go. Yeah, but yeah, just Google Ars Wells and the Google. You should be able to get it. <laughs> Send them dollars and get that funding made. But I mean, imagine they didn't get the funding. I know that they're obviously going to get. They, they probably have it now. As uh, we're talking about. Likely. I'd say but so. Imagine they they do a Melissa Joan Hart and don't get the funding. <laughs> <laughs> Even though she was Kickstarter for a terrible romantic comedy. Just trying to recapture that Sabrina form. <laughs> oh, she she was she was trying to get away from Sabrina. That was the thing. When, when was this? This was, uh, like, it was, I think it was just around the time when Zach Braff, like, got his money for his film. Yeah, but the thing is, Zach Braff's still in the public eye. Nobody gives a fuck about Melissa Gerrard. <laughs> I'm like, it's um, funny to say, you're, you're Sabrina, you had your time. No one's seen you since that fucking Britney Spears music video. 
<laughs> minute she was on, no, she literally disappeared. She has a successful sitcom called she? Melissa and Joey. Oh, fuck, that's right. But it's not even shown over here. I forgot about that. It's on E4. Apparently, <laughs> she opened a bakery as well and it got closed down. Oh. It's a really, why did I know that fact about Melissa and Joey? I don't know why we're talking about her. Yeah. Um, are we, does anyone else want to talk about the Indiegogo thing? or? No, basically, I think, obviously, because no one's seen the film, we all know the trouble production and you know the, the financial backers and, the, and then pulling out Norris and Wells and that's what fucked them originally and then you know we had to do commercials and all and then see that commercial he just the one he's pissed that's why he's so, <laughs> so good he's pissed so so good he's flagged but I mean that's why we're doing this podcast right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is in tribute to Arsenal <laughs> but I think that's a, it's a hugely intriguing thing definitely yeah, incredible. To, to be able to Say that you could see a new Orson Welles film. Imagine when that's released. I mean, I think it would be more kind of for I hate the term film buffs, but I think people who actually have, <clears> have <throat> film as a passion, it'll be a huge thing. I think they'd like to be a kind of casual viewer. It's like, they wouldn't give a fuck or they'd be like, who's Orson Welles? Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they could probably build up the buzz for it. They could. I don't, I don't think the story of Yeah, yeah I, I don't think they'll. Okay, well, well, we'll move on to our topics then. So, uh, Don, do you want to go first? Foreign language films, what's your favourite one? Oh, Michael Bryson, I'll let you take that one first. I'm going to take this one first because I haven't seen it. I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I, I, you say I haven't seen a foreign film. I <laughs> haven't seen a foreign No, I have seen foreign films, but I like I I haven't seen a lot of them. But they, in my defense, I haven't seen any films. so <laughs> Hence why you're the host of a film podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay, so I'm, go- I'm going to name a few that... Basically, I'm going to name every foreign film that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, there's a Japanese film called Confessions. It was out in like 2009, maybe 2010. And it's it's a revenge film about this teacher. Like, it's a, I think her daughter or son dies, but it's Judy's students that's in her class. So she gets HIV positive blood and injects it into their milk. Jesus what? Christ. And it's, this is not a spoiler. This is like the first five minutes of the film. This happens. <laughs> And it's it's all just. I like to think it's not the end. Like, so, <laughs> I'm the biggest downer end of all time. But uh, no, it's it's all just about. It's basically just her getting revenge on the kids that she believes was the reason for. Uh, I can't mind if it's a son or daughter, but their death. Mm-hmm. And it's a really really good film, and it's it's fucked. <laughs> oh, but it's really good and really interesting. Uh, another one. I can't even mind what country this is from. It's one of the Scandinavian ones, I think. One of them Scandinavian ones. Uh, it's called Sound of Noise. Right. And it's about it's about this ragtag bunch of drummers. That <laughs> 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 they 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 do like bank heists and stuff. Oh, I love it already. But just they play music. Oh, they, I they, love it they, break, they break and they bank and hold their body hostage, then start playing the stiplers and all <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like the Judas Priest music video for breaking the law just <laughs> <laughs> But the, then there's this Oh well, it's it's really complicated and stupid, but it's a fun film and there's good music in it as well. Like, as it a t- I mean, as a, as a play for laughs, it's obviously not a serious heist film. But... No, no, it's not a serious heist film, but well, it has moments, I suppose. But no, I it's it's just a bit of crack. Yeah, it's just yeah, a bit it's of fun. fun. But right. like the way you meet the ragtag bunch of drummers is that uh, they're they're speeding down the road in this van, and the <laughs> the van doors open and it's just this boy playing a whole drum set in the back of the van 
and then I think someone else like someone else is trying to get into the van with drums or something. <laughs> it's, it's it's so weird, but it's fun. And I think that's me. <laughs> I've seen two foreign clubs. Good man, no, Michael. I'm, Round the applause for Michael. Woo! Go on, buddy. I've seen more than that, but I can now. I'm so proud right now. The, those are the two that stick out that I enjoy. And I don't I don't I don't like getting big famous ones and I am fucking upset. Ah, no, the younger Burn ones <laughs> and stuff they get enough fuck them. Yeah. They don't matter. Put them everyone for some of them. Uh, my uh, Emily who, that's what I say. <laughs> my favourite form home, I've got a lot. I'm a, I'm a fucking absolutely gigantic Ingwer Bergman fan, like I was just saying. And he has so many good fans. I mean like I think if you're looking for the most consistent director who always delivered top quality considering he wrote and directed and produced most of his films it has to be more Bergman but I actually won't name one of his films I think my favourite foreign film and just one of my favourite films in general is uh, Victor Arisa's The Spirit of the Beehive I think we talked about it before it is a phenomenal film set in that it's oh set, yeah. sorry they interrupt you but another one of mine was going to be Pan's Labyrinth because I really love Pan's Labyrinth oh, but this leads on yeah. that yeah uh, I should have said that thing you could have done. I'm going up in such a good segue. Oh, well, we're <laughs> if, if only there was some way we could edit this. <laughs> uh, yeah, Spirit of the Beehive. Uh, Victor Reese, I think it's 1973, maybe 72. I'm not quite sure. If you haven't seen it, definitely. If you're if you're a fan of foreign film, give it a look. Especially if you're a fan of Pan's Labyrinth, because without this film, there probably wouldn't be a Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, set in Franco era Spain, so it's a fascist state. It's about this young girl who's living in a, a kind of, basically a kind of rotten mansion in uh, in rural Spain, and uh, her father's a beekeeper, but she keeps having these visions of, of Frankenstein's monster, you know, from like the the James Wales film yeah. from like nineteen thirty three or something like that, and it's almost like uh, magic realism because she sees him and you think oh she's just hallucinating, but then the, the monster actually does show up. Basically, it's all an allegory for loving in. Franco or Spain and you know being a kid and seeing it through their eyes and trying to escape the kind of the grimness of, of that time period and you know uh. obviously with the, the civil war and stuff like that and how, how bad it was they live in that place at that time so for her doing that she starts imagining Frankenstein's monsters her best friend and that's how she escapes it I, I don't want to give too much away about the film so I'll, I'll just kind of keep it brief but you know yourself thank you Michael uh, you know yourself. Your <laughs> the things to do at weddings, tapping the glass. But essentially, if you look at if you look at Pan's Labyrinth, that again is is about Franco or Spain through a child's eyes, and obviously yeah, like e- everything you're saying yeah. there is it's essentially Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, so in a way, I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far to say is that you know Pan's Labyrinth is a is a reboot or like a remake of the Spirit of the Beehive, but they're he- literally heavily heavily, heavily influenced by it in, in, in every single way. And if you like Pan's Labyrinth, obviously I will say Pan's Labyrinth is, is more uh, fantasy based, obviously with you know the the fairies and what do you call that thing again? I was just trying to think. Of yeah, that. I'm trying to think. Yes, name I can't even remember. But uh, the Spirit of the Beehive is absolutely excellent. Also, shot uh, wise, it's one of the most beautiful films you've ever seen. How they capture light in that film, and it's it, there's an interesting side note. The cinematographer was actually going blind Not whilst cool. he was making that film. So it, it also I think it gets worse throughout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last half hour is a patch black. <laughs> you can't see anybody. <laughs> it's really experimental. <laughs> but uh, he was going blind, and I think that there's a, a, a song special about that, and the fact that that would have been some of the last stuff they ever seen in the last bit of work he done. Mm. It is it's masterful. Crazy. The That's control really cool of light like is masterful. But uh, yep, yeah, definitely my favorite foreign film. Give it a watch. 
That's one for a recommendation there. You will? Uh, has any ever heard of uh, Takeshi Kitano? No. He was he made uh, Takeshi's Castle. Mm-hmm. And but after that, right, he done a film called Violent Cop. Does that count as a film? <laughs> well, I, 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 I love Takeshi's Castle. But the lead man, Ray Charles. I've, I've seen I've seen every episode. Oh, Ray Charles, not Ray Charles. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine that <laughs> he couldn't tell you what's going on <laughs> <laughs> he was a cinematographer <laughs> oh, fucking ah. oh cheap jabs oh anyway, yeah continue on uh, <clears throat> Takeshi Kitano he started off as a, a slapstick comedian like pie in the face comedian yeah and then he went from that to Violent Cop which is basically it's a basically a dirty horror film Japanese dirty horror film the, the guy who made Takeshi's Castle was yeah. on a dirty. Oh my god! Well, he was the host of it. I don't know if they made it. Why do we know about this? <laughs> That's why it's called Takeshi's Castle. Yeah, yeah, because his name's Takeshi. <laughs> but basically, now he's considered like I know so much about foreign films. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, now he's considered like the fucking the Clint Eastwood of Japan. I know. I actually heard that uh, when I was watching Takeshi's Castle that he's like a huge movie star in Japan. Yeah, Yakuza like. gangster. Fuck, he always plays like a Yakuza gangster. But the fact that he came from like stupid comedy. Also, he he did, he, did, he did that before the. Nah, so oh, it was really hard for him. They sort of get there, but Final Cop has got kind of the stepping stone for him. Tight, it's tight. It's a brutal film, and I really enjoyed it. It's a kind of would it be in the the vein of like Asian action films like that would probably be more well known over here, like John Woo, like hard. Nothing like John Woo. No, it's very yeah. it's very bleak. It's very uh, there will be blood. It's very slow moving. It's very it's very dark film like. You can't build another slow burner. Slow burner. You yeah. can't even. I and uh, they use less fuel. <laughs> 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 what is up with tonight? The fucking the dad jokes. <laughs> What's going on? Here? <laughs> I feel. Oh, I want to be the dad of this podcast. They are ready, telling us off for clinking our fucking ice cubes too loud and stuff. Oh, the microphone, the microphone. <laughs> anyway, what's your topic, Michael? <clears throat> Dad. <laughs> oh, dad. Um, my topic is what's your favorite trilogy? Oh, uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings, hands down. Yeah, I fucking love Lord of the Rings so much. Lord of the Rings is really good. Oh, it definitely is. Just so many elements. I think it's the fact too that I hadn't read the books. It actually inspired me to go on then and, and, and read the books afterward because I just have you read the books. Yeah, I went there and just after she. better, I, I guess. You wouldn't even bother reading the books. Well, see, I think I. I <laughs> that's, that's why I did. Yeah, I, I would always say the films are better, right? Because I'm, I'm just, I'm more on the. I, I like reading, but I'm more on the films and kind of seeing stuff visually than actually reading it. I, but I think, well, obviously, with any sort of book adaptation, if you'd read the books before, you're never going to be fully fulfilled. I don't think if you love a book series and it gets, you know, adapted then like because you've got your own... They inevitably have to leave stuff out. And yeah, all and you've got your own characters in your head and how they look and how they act. Yeah. So not everything's going to be nailed on. But from what I was told of, obviously, book readers proud of Lord of the Rings, they said that they couldn't have nailed everything as, as, as fucking do, well. Do you as feel like uh, Tom <clears throat> Bombadil should have been in? Or? Yeah, this is the whole thing that he he should have been in. I, I don't know. I, I, why a lot of people complain also about the... Uh, the scorching of the share, you know, towards the end of Return of the King not being in there. I think that was kind of essential to be in there, but at the same time, Jesus Christ, I mean, just watching the three films, it's like even a fortnight anyway. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you kind of have to take stuff out. But in, in, in the book, like, what, in the, the scorching of the share, they burn it down, basically, mm-hmm. I guess. So, how does that get resolved then in the book? Basically, what it is, is... Because, Sarah, like, like, 
if you think about that happening in the film, then just yeah. when but, what, I was going to say Bilbo, when Frodo gets home and he just it's just fucking bleak. Oh, it's just fucked. It's like oh I saved the day, but yeah. everyone's dead. Travel about you don't buy fucking ring that way. Come back, the house is gone. <laughs> so things like it. It's uh, I think as well it, narratively in the films it was a lot easier just to have Saruman, you know. Out of the limelight then in, in Return of the King not there because obviously to do I, the scores on the share it's the ex- extended cut yet yeah, I know you actually see him die it's so good it is so good and <laughs> that for me because I think that was a pretty jarring some viewers is that Saruman just disappears in Return of the King he's not on he's not, he's not on the toll he's on the two towers and then he just kind of vanishes I can't imagine. see I've, I've watched the extended cut more than yeah the, you've probably watched the extended cut the actual yeah, cut though, I, I'm nearly certain that he's not in Return of the King but he's in the first two and you don't see him die. He just—it's kind of accepted that he's been defeated, you know, by like the the unison of men and yeah. the elves and the fucking ants and stuff like that. But his death scene is also—it's a, it's a, such a good scene. Yeah, it is, and I don't know why they didn't leave it on because I mean, like we we're saying already, the films already long enough, and it's only like a four-minute scene. You think maybe, maybe it's just a bit brutal just to see him fall? Yeah, on. yeah, and as well because maybe it might have been a censor thing, you know, for the kids because it was a twelve, like because it is quite—it's quite gruesome. Or people could have been raging that they were ripping off. My favorite trilogy, Ooh. Star Wars. <laughs> when spoilers for Star Wars, <laughs> when Vader throws the Emperor down the big hole, yeah. essentially the same thing. Why do you com- love Star com- Wars? Completely ripped off. Uh, I love Star Wars because I don't know. <laughs> I seen it when I was a, when I was a kid, and it was actually my brother got me into it because it was around the time of the thirtieth anniversary they mm. they re released it in cinemas. And he was going to see them, like, I ever, I, I don't think it was every week, but they released New Hope and then Empire and then Jedi. And he was going to see them. And I, and he just told me about it. And I was like, oh, what's this Star Wars used to go? And he, <laughs> he, we had Star Wars on, on tape, so I watched it. And I just loved it. Yeah. And then I didn't actually see Empire, but then Jedi was out in the cinema. And then I went to see Jedi then with my brother in the cinema. That's the first time I've seen Return of the Jedi in the cinema, which is sweet. Do you think it's more like a... Do you think a, a lot of your love from it stems from maybe like a kind of nostalgia sort of thing? or Possibly. I mean... It's... It's just a happy time in my life. Yeah. Star, Star Wars just brings me happiness. Oh. And <laughs> that's actually... That's really nice. It's just... I was it's, actually going to try and play that for laughs or like really stick the knife on you when you say that and then I thought, you know, I'm going to leave that on touch. That's... Quite a sweet moment there from Michael. <laughs> I, it's, it's just it, everything Star Wars. Well, not everything Star Wars, but like Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> it it added character to the Chewbacca, but um. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the the original trilogy, Star Wars. I couldn't uh, think of a better three films to sit down and watch and just enjoy. Except Lord of the Rings. Oh, they're longer though. They're longer, <laughs> but I mean, that means it fills up my day. <laughs> if you have six hours to spare, watch Star Wars. Don't, don't watch two Lord of the Rings films. One extended cut of Lord of the Rings film. <laughs> I was thinking, right, the, see the, if you... the thing that annoys me with the extended cut of Lord of the Rings is half an hour of it is just credits. Oh, why? No, <laughs> they, I... they put everyone's name. I love it. If you were to watch, say, if you were to do the actual whole Tolkien experience, you know, via film. If you were to watch the extended cut of the Hobbit trilogy and the extended cut of the Lord of the Rings, I think it would literally take you a day. Like, I mean, like 24 hours, like a full day. Mm, well, we'll say, we'll say about four hours each, six films. 
Uh, yeah, that's bad. 24. That's yes. Some, that's some yes, that's some good math. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I probably would think of that. Fucking hell. I, I, I remember when I watched the entire season four of 24 in the day. Best day of my life. <laughs> yeah. When I was when I was unemployed, I woke up one day and I just I watched, I watched a whole that like I was kind of feeling bad because I thought right you're kind of sitting in front of the TV too much and not doing enough for your life and you're sitting like block watching Sopranos flat out. It was the first time I watched Sopranos, which is like now my favorite TV show ever. It was years ago, but uh, I woke up one morning and I got me series three and the first two series were so good. I woke up like abnormally early. It's like nine o'clock in the morning. It was summer, and I put on the first episode. I sat in the sofa for 13 hours. I just watched every episode of that series. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I felt hella productive. <laughs> so I was like, series four tomorrow. <laughs> oh, but see, season four for 24, for me, was, uh, it was, I had stopped watching it on TV because that was when, oh, see, I, season three was when it moved from BBC Two to Sky One. Mm. But I managed these keep up with during season three but then I, I lost it in season four it was just it, it was on our, our time or something and like sky you have to watch it downstairs with yeah. your man dad and all and they want to watch someone else or whatever so my sister had it on dvd then so i like i can't remember what age it would have been but it was like it was like during the summer when i stayed up with and i didn't have school kind of era whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was going to bed maybe about like four o'clock in the morning or something and I thought, I'll watch a couple of episodes of 24, get me to sleep. Watch the entire show. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so good. I was just like, I need to watch it all. I need to watch it all. And yeah, I was actually quite proud of myself to watch those series 24 in the day. Ah, that was awful too. <laughs> at, at the end of my surprise marathon too, I was proud of myself. I should have been fucking ashamed. I should have been doing something, trying to find a fucking job. <laughs> I, I mean, one time I, I woke up and it was like, it was like a quarter to seven. And I knew I had my alarm set for seven. Yeah. Or actually, I don't think I had an alarm set, but I thought, oh, I'll get up at seven. And it was bright outside, so I'm shining on. And I woke up then. Really set the scene here. <laughs> and it was ten past seven. But it was pitch black outside. <laughs> I'd slept for twelve hours. <laughs> it's the most jarring thing, though, because you, you ever get it when you fall asleep, but then you feel like you wake up straight away, uh, like you don't feel uh, the time. That's what it was like. As it was like, I closed my eyes and opened them, and it was dark. <laughs> oh man, oh, break me out! I I just wanted to cry then because I had lost an entire day. <laughs> Don, favorite trilogy? The Dollars trilogy by Sergio Leone. Oh, why do you love those? It's just the fact that it's, it's kind of like its own wee world. Yeah, and then he uses the same actors. <laughs> like, like most trilogies. <laughs> it's like no, but they're different characters <laughs> playing different characters. <laughs> Could you picture the two towers with just a completely different cast from the fellowship? Like, who fucks it? Like, well, well, Ian McKellen plays a different character. <laughs> <laughs> I am getting off the lights. <laughs> well, one of one of my sorry, they go just they completely it. interrupt on and start talking about Lord of the Rings again. But one of my favorite things to look at is you Google uh, Gandalf's flowchart for danger or something it's called. And it's, it's so good. It's just basically all Gandalf's decisions in the Lord of the Rings films. And it includes one of, of Are You Dead? Resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's as well when he gets in shit tons of trouble. If all else fails, Call the Eagles. Aye, Call the Eagles is the ending of a lot of them. 
it's it's just look, look it up it's it's a very fun picture that i enjoy looking at from time to time i kind of <laughs> want to get it framed and put it in a room somewhere maybe put it in the podcast room in yeah the I, 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 like i'm looking up here i kind of want to i just want yeah, to get it there that's just an empty drywall right yeah. there we can get I that mean, up there's, the floor there's, 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 there's nothing there's like a, a hole for a hookup in everything do you want to continue on about your trilogy i've kind of gone blank because i'm a bit pissed yeah, I know we've been to, I think yeah. we're going on a longer, way longer than usual tonight. I think we're like having uh, an hour and a half mark at this point. What are we talking? Uh, hour 22. Jesus Christ. Okay, we're, no. not, we're not even on the My Topic yet, which well, I'll start right now. Yeah, yeah. Right, we'll, we'll do this quick. We'll do this quick. Yeah. Fuck, fuck recommendations. In all fairness, yeah. <laughs> recommendations out the window. We'll do <laughs> recommendations, but we'll just take the top of our heads. Again, if only there was a way we could edit this down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my topic this week exist. is uh, your favourite film as a child. Predator. Predator? <laughs> Predator. Uh, I, I'm kind of on the same vein. I'm Terminator 2. <laughs> you? That was the mask. You <laughs> suppose we're fucked up as kids? Well, I, I, after Terminator 2, it was Demolition Man. Say again! <laughs> oh, Bond and Fucking love Demolition Man. Oh, we're going to watch Demolition Man after this, aren't we? Oh, man. Oh, I, I, I had on VHS. Why is this VHS? I, I, think, I, think, I think all this is just... In my house, we had a limited amount of videos. So we had Terminator for about five years, and then we got another one, Demolition Man. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've seen, I seen Terminator 2 like, when I was five, and I love that film. Yeah, same year, and I absolutely loved it, but at the same time, I think that my brain was more focused towards kid things. I really liked Terminator 2 as a kid, but then, I don't know. See, it was kind of weird as well, is that The Mask was my favourite film as a kid. And my, my dad used to take me to the cinema on Saturdays. Yeah. And I made him take me to the mask nine weeks in a row. Like, <laughs> nine weeks in a row. I loved the fucking film that much. But what was cool is that the mask is also, actually, besides Lady and the Trump, is the first film that I can remember going to see in the cinema. Uh, and I think that the reason I like, or maybe it's like a nostalgia filter, but the reason that I think that I liked the mask so much as a kid is because it's my first real memory of being in the cinema. Yeah. And it, it is, when you think about it, it's, it's really exciting because you're, you go into this big room and it's really, you know, like the old strand multiplex. It's kind of glitzy looking, the big red uh, curtains, and you get popcorn. It's this huge screen. And you're fucking you know, surround sound. And it's like it's it's an overwhelming experience, you know, especially if you're like you're like four or five. I think you're really overselling this strand multiplex. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, as a four year old, as a four year old, it seemed like Xanadu. <laughs> it seemed like a, a royal palace. It's, it's interesting about that. I I really don't remember kind of what my first. Like film I went to see in the cinema. Yeah. Like my earliest memory. My earliest it, memory it, in the cinema is Lady in the Shrub. It might be Jedi. Really? Because I remember. What age would you have been? I'm not sure. It was the thirtieth anniversary of it. Seventy. But it it. Mm, no, it's like, no, that's like two thousand and seven. No, that's not right. Is that's it? right. <laughs> so you didn't was, you didn't see the cinema until eight years ago when you were fucking nineteen. <laughs> No, that's not right. Maybe it was the 20th Maybe anniversary. Maybe it was the 20th or 20th. Because they did, they did re-release the VHS for the 20th it, anniversary. No, so but it was, it was the 20th ma- anniversary and that's like maybe... It was a, it was a re-release in cinemas. Right. Yeah, well that's probably what it was. It might have been the 20th. That would have been like 97. So you would have been like, what, 8? But certainly you would have went to a cinema before you were 8. I can't even mind them. I, I, de- I didn't go see Jurassic Park in the cinema because it was raging. Because when I seen Jurassic Park, I loved it. Yeah. And uh, and then my ma, ma telling me like... She minds going to see it in the old cinema, mm. you know, the Mike Hoffs and Collins, yeah, film, the old, old cinema. 
and it was on there. And what's Jess Perfect ninety three ninety four? Yeah, it's ninety. It's the same year as Shameless list. I think it's ninety four. So it's ninety three. No, it's not ninety four. It's ninety three. I think. Okay. Anyway, it's irrelevant. But yeah, so after that, probably. Yeah, but see, I think that's what I was saying is that looking back at the mass now, the mass. I mean, usually films that you loved as a wing, you've always got them close to your heart and stuff like that, and you love them kind of for your whole life because the first time that you've really been introduced to cinema, and it's more likely what kind of made you fall in love with with films, you know, at a young age, maybe if it was a subconscious sort of thing. But I've rewatched The Mask a couple of months back, and it was the first time I'd watched it since I was a kid, and I really enjoyed it. But when I rewatched it there a few months back, it was it's, it's shit. <laughs> it's really the bad. The Mask is good. No, you, I, you made fun of me for watching The Mask. No, I really don't like it. But that's what I'm saying. It used to be my favorite film. When I look back on now, and I thought it was fucking god awful. And I just, I don't know why it was. Obviously, I was a kid, so I don't know any Cameron better. Cameron Diaz's best role. <laughs> first role, I think, was it? Yeah, it's her very, yeah, first. It's her very first role. Yeah, she was just a model before that. Yeah, I think so. But, I mean. But on the DVD extras of The Mask, which I have watched. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, no, they talk about the, the it was a, actually a big search to cast. Uh, Cameron Diaz's part and then they eventually found her Cameron Diaz one of those actresses who's just she's never really I've never really liked her I just she's she's never really done a, a great film even mm-hmm. though fucking The Mask was like maybe, I mean she's always done been the kind of wacky comedy girl and stuff like that oh fair enough no she done uh, being John Mugger which is pretty good in that she's really good in that she's I really really good in that film, mm. but I mean what was your favorite film? Oh, so you said Terminator 2 no Predator no Predator you said your Terminator 2 so uh, why Predator? It's just uh, watched it a lot with my granddad, and Jared Garrow's kind of stuck with me. It's my favorite film as a child, you know. I think that's the, the link that I want to get on to is the fact that I, a lot of the time when you're our age now and you're looking back on what you think is your favorite film as a kid, you have that idea in your head of what your favorite film was as a kid. But I think that it probably wasn't your favorite film as a kid. I guarantee your favorite film as a kid was you know someone else, but you just yeah. can't quite remember it. I think that the films that we think. Where our favorite films, if, if you're following me when we were kids, are stuff that we attach sort of sentimentality yeah. to, or certain uh, memories to. I mean, like, like I was saying before, The Mask was my favorite, but the only reason I think it's my favorite is because I've got this memory of me. Dad picked me there, and it was it was like a ritual. It was the first time that I kind of seen a cinema and, and, and seen what, you know, film was all about. And that kind of stuck me more, so maybe I attached that onto The Mask, even if I didn't actually enjoy the film that much. Yeah, actually, actually... Mm. Like with us talking about this here, I've I'm kind of thinking that maybe mine stems from like connection with my brothers, mm. because they they're two older and then three sisters, and then I'm the youngest. Yeah. So I was the younger, I was the youngest, and then there was three sisters in the way, and then the two older brothers who didn't hang out when they hang out with fucking Wayne. Like. Yeah. So you get me watch like a film that was I, like, you know, like twelve or fifteen. Really, it was like you were on the the level then. Uh, yeah, like, you were like, it's like oh, I get to watch a film and they with like, the, with the bigger boys, like, I, and like my, and like my, my brother taking me to the cinema to see Return of the Jedi and stuff. Yeah, and then you says you know stuff with your, your grandfather stuff. I got so far. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about the topic this week. That's kind of like that I wanted that I wanted to bring up is that <clears> you know a, when it comes to films that we've seen years ago as children, you know the the, the films that obviously first under justice they they cinema. I think that uh, it's it's more the the links or, or certain memories that actually make them a lot more special than the, than the films themselves, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, but absolutely. Yeah. That's the point I wanted to make. Got a bit, got a bit deep there, then guys. I know it did because that beautiful. I'm actually kind of I'm actually kind of confused by my revelation because I fucking hit my brothers. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm engaged to be married. They aren't going to be standing beside me. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> Hopefully me and Dom will be. Aye, I was actually thinking about that. 
This goes well. <laughs> you might keep us about. <laughs> you bastard, my God. <laughs> what a loose friend. <laughs> he is going to fucking sink us if this podcast doesn't take off. Right. Fuck him, guys. I get TR boys on. <laughs> Gets fucking Mark Kerbodin. <laughs> Your moves, listeners. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll do quick recommendations, people. Quick, quick, snappy. I'll go first with a film from, I think it's 2009-2010, called World's Greatest Dad. Mm. Has anyone seen it? No. Robin Williams. It's a good choice, yeah. It's a really, I mean, it's kind of sad too, subject matter wise, considering what happened then. I, will, yeah. I, I, I don't really want to go too <laughs> deep into the actual plot of it, because if, if you even watch the trailer for it and stuff, it really tells you nothing about the actual plot. Mm. It kind of sets it up more as what the name would suggest. Words, like if you hear Words Greatest Dad and see Robin Williams, that you think it's going to be like a kind of wacky kind of shit comedy. Sort of thing, yeah. And the way the trailer for it as well, it sets it up like uh, Robin Williams trying to deal with his dickhead son, kind of. Yeah. And it's it's really not that and. It's a it's a dark film, but it's really good and really interesting. And Robin Williams is really good on it. And it's just it's an amazing performance by him. And just the whole subject matter, it's just so interesting just to kind of watch it happen in front of you. Yeah, because I know I know exactly what the plot is, and I can see why you're you're not wanting to give too much. I know. I, I, I don't want to explain. It, 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 it is quite. It's it's a really interesting narrative. But I mean, yeah, I think that it would be. It'd be more interesting if, if people went on it not knowing. I, it's better going on there cold, like because that that's the way I find it, and I think it, you respond more to it that way. So, world's greatest dad, watch it. It's an amazing film. Bobcat Goldblatt uh, wrote and directed it as well. Boom. Is Zed from Postcat? <laughs> Can I recommend the Vengeance trilogy by Park Chan Wook? Yeah. South Korean trilogy. <laughs> it's all oh theme. shit we're supposed to be trilogies <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, they're amazing old boys one of them and they Spike Lee remade it and it's fucking dreadful but watch the originals uh Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance old boy and Sympathy for Lady Vengeance nice one you should have went first we could have just done one each exactly yeah, yeah. oddly enough I didn't think about a recommendation this week so that's why I pointed it on because I was trying to scramble through <laughs> my brain and they think do the pants up it's no, well, sure. Now, I was going to say, well, obviously, earlier on, that recommends uh, Spirit of the Beehive. I think I talked about that enough earlier on. So if uh, if, if you're thinking uh, that you might be interested, definitely give it a go. Another one I'll, I'll recommend, just off the cuff, it's just came into my head now. Uh, you brought up The Road with Blood earlier on. I think, I've, you know, most uh, many people have seen The Road with Blood. So I'll actually go for the film that Paul Thomas Anderson released after that, that I don't think got enough love, as much love as what it should have, is uh, The Master. Which I think it's it's not as good as the Robin Blood, but it is a phenomenal, phenomenal film. I think that uh, the dynamic between Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix on that film, who are both on their fucking A game, is unbelievable. And I love how when before the film was released, they thought, oh, it was going to be this, you know, damn a Scientology, and there was a lot of controversy about it. And the best thing is, is that the whole Scientology and this wacky religious thing falls into the background because essentially, like most Paul Thomas Anderson films, it's a story about like a a family of people who aren't related and it's a story of how these two completely disparate mm. men one who's this kind of charismatic religious leader and then this other who's like an ex-soldier who's kind of lost his way in the world and doesn't quite know what to do over the course of time become close and, and start to get involved with each other's lives it's uh 
I like Slow Match obviously as well because it has a Paul Thomas Anderson film. It it looks amazing, the acting's amazing, and it's a very intriguing storyline. So yeah, that's my recommendation for this week. Boom. Yeah, yeah. That's five films for you to watch next week. <laughs> um, okay, we'll we'll wrap it up there then. I think kids, yeah. thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word about the podcast. Tell your friends about us. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, whatever social media you use. You can also subscribe, leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, and any other podcast service. You can send us questions, suggestions for topics by emailing us at letstalkmoremovies at gmail.com. And I think that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Bye, folks. <laughs> Thanks. Adios, amigos. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> 